Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we are studying in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 23. Here's Pastor Ryan. The kingdom of Judah is almost to its end. Destruction is coming. The judgment of God is coming upon them. The Babylonians, he's going to allow the Babylonians to come into Jerusalem and take them captive for 70 years because of their sins. We have prophets like Jeremiah, Isaiah, Zephaniah. All of them were around during this time. They were preaching truth to people. But destruction is coming because Israel had turned away from God. But in our story, King Josiah, he's a good king. And he sought the Lord. He loved the Lord and he sought the Lord and is wanting to restore the worship of Yahweh, the worship of God there in Judah, there in Jerusalem, because the kings before him had desecrated the temple by bringing in pagan gods. And so here he was seeking the Lord, and now he has gathered all of the elders and the prophets, all of the people, both small and great, to come to Jerusalem, to come there and restore worship, rededicate the temple, so that the people would rededicate their lives to God. What a beautiful story we have before us, and what a beautiful heart that King Josiah has. In verse 3, when we begin, we read that he is leaning up against a pillar, standing by a pillar, as the word of God is being read and the word of god had been missing remember they found the book of the law and they are reading it before the people and it's just a beautiful thing and that's where we're at it says here in verse 3 then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the lord to follow the lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book and all the people took a stand for the covenant and that's a beautiful thing so here he is all the people have gathered i mean it's it hasn't happened in years and as the word of god is being read we see king josiah here standing near a pillar and he is moved to make a covenant to god he is moved to make a vow or a promise to god that he is going to live a life that follows the commandments of god that he's going to live a life that with all of his heart and with all of his soul he is going to follow the word of god and do all to perform the word of god not just to keep it but what does keeping mean it means to do it and so he's making this promise and that promise, that covenant that he's making is coming from a genuine, sincere love and passion for God. I mean, he was a, a, a guy who chose that God's way is the right way, even though his father and, and most of his ancestors had turned away from the Lord. In a time when there was rampant immorality and pagan worship, when society really wanted to go the wrong way and was going the wrong way, judgment's coming, this young king stood up and decided to honor the Lord. And what an inspiration he is to me, to us, hopefully tonight, that 
Jesus Christ is worth standing up for. Since he died on the cross for our sins and rose on the third day, he is worthy of us standing for his precepts, of us making promises and vows to him that we're going to serve you, Jesus, with all of our heart because you saved us. That passion, that love, that zealousness, that's what Josiah had. Amen. He had that. And, and he was moved by the Spirit, no doubt, to make that promise before the people. And how did the people respond? They, it says here that they responded in a very positive way. It said that all the people took a stand for the covenant. In other words, they said to him, Amen, we are with you. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It's like Josiah's passion for God and his willingness to do it God's way, do life God's way, run his kingdom God's way, to restore the temple worship. That kind of heart inspired his people to do the right thing. And the Lord just spoke to my heart about how important our passion for him is and how it can inspire those around us. And I really believe that with all of my heart that our faith in Christ should be inspiring to others. There should be something about our lives, this love that we have for God that is clear to those around us. I think our faith is contagious I think our obedience to the Lord is contagious. I believe our service to the Lord is contagious. But if we choose to live our faith, not in, in one that's full of passion, but one that's kind of bummed out, which happens in the body of Christ because we live in a fallen world and though we've been saved and the Holy Spirit lives in us, we're still trapped in these bodies of death. Oh, who can help us? The Lord can. The Lord can, that's who. So we all face trials. We all face dramatic incidences in our life. You know, we don't always wake up feeling, you know, like a million bucks. But it's up to us to find our love and passion for God as we seek him every day. Josiah, I mean, this revival is starting from one king who decided to seek the Lord. The Bible says that we are kings and priests unto our Lord. Each and every one of us who follows King Jesus, we are his adopted children. And the Bible calls us kings and priests unto our Lord in the book of Revelation. So as little kings, how are we going to manifest our love for God? And I get it. We have hard and difficult days. I know it. How do we get in this place of joy and passion for the Lord. Well, here in our story, the word of God is being read. And I think that any revival in our hearts begins with the word of God. You give me someone who is solid in the Lord, there's someone who is solid in the word of God. But you don't pick this up, how can it make you solid? But if you read it, 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 and it brings a change. In Proverbs 12, verse 25, write it down. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Too many Christians moping around, depressed, and bummed out, and oh, I have to go to Caltrans again. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad the word of god will make us glad in psalm 119 verse 2 blessed are those who keep his testimonies who seek him with a whole heart 
Oh man, Josiah here is the king's wanting to keep God's precepts. He's seeking them with the whole heart. When we desire to keep his word, when we read his word, when we seek his face, blessed are you. And blessed means happy. The same, and I don't, and I believe that we cannot be happy unless we're seeking the Lord. It's impossible. We can't be zealous or passionate or joyful. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we find that at his presence. In Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, You show me the path of life, and your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So what I started doing at, at Caltrans, we have two 15-minute breaks, according to the state of California. I started dedicating my 15 minutes to, to pray for those at my work. And I was walking out there, and there was grape fields around my, my workplace there in Fontana. Ironically, grape fields, right? Vineyards, as far as the eye can see, grapes, fields. And I began to just develop a heart for the people that I worked with at Caltrans. I began to, to develop a joy for being there. And I'll, so many times I feel like driving by and just peeking in with my old co-workers now that I've been gone. But it's a lesson that I needed to learn to be content and to be passionate for Jesus in whatever state we are in. Philippians 4, 12 and 13. Josiah, he was zealous. And the people said, we're with you. When you're zealous, it gives people the greatest opportunity to come to Jesus Christ. But if we look bummed out, why on earth would they want Christianity? Think about that. And I say, sit at the feet of Jesus and don't leave until you come out with a smile. All the people took a stand for the covenant and the king commanded Hilkiah the high priest, the priests of the second order and the doorkeepers. So all the folks who do the keeping of the church, doorkeepers, checking who comes in and out, the doorkeepers of our church, the ushers, the guards, I love them. They're my favorite bros. But here in our story, the priests of the second order, the doorkeepers, he commanded them to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal, for Asherah, and for all the host of heaven, and to be burnt, and he burned them outside of Jerusalem, the fields of Kidron, and carried their ashes to Bethel. And so here Josiah is in the spirit, full of love and dedication to the Lord. What does he say? What's in his heart? We got to clean this temple up. This temple's a mess. And it's a mess because the former kings, they literally brought in pagan idols into the temple of God. Is that insane how far Judah had fallen? It's tremendous how far they had fallen. But this, this good king, inspired by the Lord, it's all about cleaning this temple. If we're going to do anything right, we've got to make sure that God's house is clean. It's legit that we remove all of these pagan things. He removed, and then he took the ashes to Bethel. So they burned them in the fields of Kidron. So you have Jerusalem, you have the valley of Kidron, and the Mount of Olives. And in that valley, they burned these idols. And then they took the ashes to the northern part, to Bethel where all the idol worship was taking place. And so this king is desecrating the idols of the pagan gods that were there. It brings to mind the importance of having a holy church, right? Having a holy church. When I think of Moses, I think that he 
prayed for the people to God, for them, and he also prayed to God for the people. And, I, and, and in studying the Old Testament, I kind of took on that role as a shepherd, as a pastor, as an underdog. I've learned, Lord, bless your people. Forgive your people, and myself included, of our sins. Not that I know anything about your sins, but I figure as human beings, you've sinned today and yesterday and every day. So it's a good thing for a pastor to pray, Lord, forgive your people of their sins. Forgive us at Sweet Hills. Forgive us. We want to be a holy people. Amen. But one of the ways that I've learned to make sure things are going right in the house of the Lord is when there's sin in the camp to make sure to take care of it. When there's sin in the camp. Not that we go around, you know, looking and smelling for sin, but when something becomes known that, hey, there's a brother or sister who is living in sin doing something that Christians ought not to do whenever you get that it's a test from the Lord whether you're going to love God and love your brother or sister enough to tell them graciously like Galatians 6 tells us to and to tell them you know you know this isn't right before God you need to change that you need to you know repent of that I love you that's a way of keeping church holy you know, you think of Paul the Apostle with the Corinthian church and how he corrected them. Remember that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he had heard, right? He says, it was actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. He said that they were puffed up. They thought they were a very spiritual church. But Paul was saying, you're not very spiritual if you know that one of the brothers is in sin, sexual sin, and you're not checking it. And he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 4 through 5, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Amen? I mean, it's, it's a wonderful way of like, when you hear of it, don't pretend you didn't hear it. Don't pretend, you know, you didn't see it. Go talk to that person. Don't go spread gossip, but go talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, right? As the Bible says, to go help them out. The church, we keep an eye, a loving eye on one another. We are our brother's keepers. Amen? And so that's one way of keeping the body of Christ uh, clean. Another way, he's cleaning house, the temple physically. Aren't our bodies the temple of God? The Bible says it. Our bodies are that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Don't you know your body is a temple of God? and your body is not your own. That's just more confirmation of what we've been preaching here the last few weeks. Like, we belong to God. Our vow was that we no longer live. We live for him. We've been crucified. The old man, the old woman is dead. We're living for Christ now. For you were bought at a price. Oh my goodness, what price? That price. You were bought at a heavy price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's always a good thing to take inventory of our lives personally, how we're living. For he who, calls us, he who called us is holy. So you be holy, the Bible says. To take self-inventory 
are the things I'm allowing in my mind, the things that I'm, I'm watching on my phone or on the TV or whatever. Think about it. You know, it's good for us, especially in these last days, to be extra careful to what we're allowing into our eyes, into our minds, into our hearts, our thought life. You know, there's some Christians who aren't taking every thought captive, every lie that pops in, but are fantasizing in their minds and their hearts. I believe that when the temptation comes and it flashes in our, in our skulls, I don't believe that's sin until we take that initial flash and thought and begin to mull over it and fantasize over it and give it time in our minds. That's sin. And unchecked, it goes on and becomes a reality. Turn with me to Luke 11, verse 33. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your body, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. So it's like, it isn't just turning our gaze away from things we ought not to be watching or listening to, whether it's music, movies, shows. Everything's trashy now. It's very hard to find, you know, solid, good, wholesome entertainment. You know, the iPhones, man. I mean, there's just so much trash that comes through it. I hope the kids are being policed by their parents, let me tell you. No private accounts. To know what's going on. It's a, it's a discipler of, of kids, man. We got to be on that in these last days. We got to be on that for ourselves. To see if there are any forms of evil or wickedness or compromise that needs to be dealt with in these temples and removed. It can be sins from without or sins from within. Having ugly images, pictures, movies, shows, images, music ungodly music to being unequally yoked with non-believers whatever sin it's good to remove anything that hinders your walk with jesus christ any weight of sin remove it cast off the work of darkness cast off the weights cast off those things that bring you down a little leaven leavens a whole lump sin no matter how small can quench the holy spirit and hinder god's power in your life I believe the Holy Spirit empowers a holy vessel. And you become holy by just saying, Lord, forgive me. Oh my gosh, forgive me for that thought. Forgive me for that action. Cleanse me a sinner. Forgive me. And the Holy Spirit can empower that. Psalm 101 verse 3 says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 Abstain from every form of evil abstain from every appearance of evil if it looks bad avoid it that's why we need the word of god to teach it to hear it to live it to embrace it it, it keeps us on the right path the word of god back to our text verse 5 then he removed the idolatrous priests 
whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem, and those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations, and to all the hosts of heaven. You see how he's just cleaning up this? The sun, the moon, to the constellations, and to all the hosts of heaven. So he, he removed the idolatrous priests. And they would prostrate themselves. They would fall on their faces before these idols, guys. And he brought out the wooden image from the house of the Lord. That's the Ashereth wooden pole that was pornographic in nature. To the brook Kidron outside Jerusalem, burned it at the brook Kidron and ground it to ashes and threw its ashes on the graves of the common people. It's not like the common people or the poor people. What it means is the, the people that were idolatrous themselves. They took the ashes and they threw it on the idolatrous people's graves. There's a, there's a zeal behind his cleaning house, is there not? And isn't that what happens when the word of God gets you? One of the manifestations is passion it's zeal it's i can't stand ungodliness around me i can't stand wickedness right because it ain't enough to love god you must hate evil and too many christians like they love god and want to pour grace all over wickedness no 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 love god hate evil it's not enough to be saved from my old life i need to hate the things that almost destroyed me the things that almost destroy we have to hate it we don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole Ah, that's a Christian that stands, that doesn't backslide. And he is just being, he's desecrating these things. Like he's hardcore. And, but isn't the Lord hardcore about sin as well? I mean, doesn't Jesus say in Matthew 5, 29, 30, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you? For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than your, for your whole body to be cast into hell? And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you than one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. So God is serious about sin. Lord, help us not to be laxed about sin. Then, verse 7, he tore down the ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord. The perverted persons here it speaks of male prostitutes. They literally had booths at the temple as part of the worship of these false gods. So they had fallen far. There are churches today who want to be friends with the world, who condone and promote the homosexual lifestyle. They're not churches, they're not churches but there are there are denominations that are being split like this because one half wants to say it's okay for two men to be with each other and two women to be with each other so there's splits there's dividing lines but it's incredible to me that you know they try to hide behind the banner of acceptance and love and basically they're giving these poor sinners false security that they can continue in that lifestyle and go to heaven god hates the sin and loves the sinner and the best thing we can do is to tell people the truth of sin 
not to lie to them, not to placate them, not to say, oh, it'll be okay. It's not okay, guys. I don't care who tells you it's okay. God says it's not okay, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so he removed the perverted, the booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the wooden image. And he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and, defi that, and defiled the high places where the priests had burned incense. And so now he brought other priests. He got rid of the idolatrous priests, but now this is speaking about Levites. He's actually speaking about Levites. He brought them... But they were worshiping Yahweh up in the hills. So rather than going to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, they're doing it up on the hills. That looks just like what the pagans do. And again, the Bible says, abstain from every form of evil. If it looks like the evil that the pagans are doing that, why are you doing it that way? Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m., or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.